Hello and welcome to the Factory Founder Podcast. My name is Adelaide Njoki, an investment analyst at Founders Factory Africa. And today I'm super, super excited to be speaking to Peter Gikara, the co-founder and chief technology officer at Table Health. So Peter, how are you doing? I'm doing great. My first question is, you know, I'm wearing the the investor hat. I know we did invest in in the business already, but if you were to give an elevator pitch to an investor, right? So, what problem are you currently trying to solve for? And can you just open up the session with that? Sure thing. Great to be here. By the way, Tibu Health is a health tech startup based in Nairobi, Kenya, and what we do is we deliver healthcare where people walk, live, and click. Basically, what that means is we deliver healthcare services to our patients wherever they may want them delivered. So, think of your average person seeking healthcare instead of you going to the hospital, the clinic. We can come to your home, or you can actually come to our clinic. So, our value proposition is good quality healthcare that's very, very timely and affordable. So, instead of you trekking for hours and Nairobi traffic, going to waiting rooms in hospitals, we can actually be able to fill that gap and deliver that service to your home or you can come to our very, very awesome healthcare clinics, state of the art, that you can be able to receive the same quality healthcare. Thank you for that. I think I'd invest again if it was up to me, but thanks for that. I know, so just quick one, right? So insurance penetration has always been a big issue within the African market, right? And if you were to look into the healthcare sector where the insurance penetration is only 20%, which means that most, you know, most citizens rely on public health, you know, service provision versus the private sector, right? So yourself, you know, being on the other end where you're operating on the private sector, I'm not sure if there are any specific consumer needs that you've seen that are worth taking a deep dive into? Speaking of consumer needs, there are, for for the most part, healthcare in Kenya is not at the best place that it could be. So right off the bat, consumers have been made to accept the bare minimum. So if you're talking about consumer needs as what they think they want, right from the a lower income to middle income, they want affordable healthcare. They want to be able to go to a clinic, see a doctor who's actually there, get the, the, the healthcare they deserve. But the way we look at it is we would like for patients not to be just content with the bare minimum. We'd want for them to want more and the experience and the patient flow, the patient journey through the healthcare system is what uh, we are looking to improve. So not only do you get the healthcare that you need, but you ensure that you actually get it at a higher quality, still affordable and timely. So no five-hour waiting lines just to check up on your headache or you you have a tummy ache. So we are able to provide that fast and easy access to healthcare at an affordable and timely manner. Thanks. You bring interesting points, right? Which makes me want to get a more, you know, like more practical insights on how you actually go about it, right? Mm-hmm. For example, I mean, people are used to a certain way of doing things, right? So there's that complacency. People are like very comfortable with what we have at the moment. So does that mean your solution, you know, for your solution to work, there's some behavioral change that needs to happen? Is there, is there some medication that needs to happen, right? Just to get a better sense of how you actually now solve 
for this solution. So how does that currently work at the moment? Is it a disposable income issue where, mm. hey, I don't have the money, right? So <laughs> I take what I have. So you know, on a more granular level, how exactly do you, you know, provide this solution to, to your customers? We've been able to leverage technology and be able to offer an omni-channel solution to healthcare. What that basically means is as a patient, you're able to receive healthcare from us through our three main touch points, home, virtual, and in-person. So the way we leverage technology is such that not all healthcare cases need for you to actually go to see a doctor. You can be able to consult through virtual care, through our telehealth solution. If you need to see a doctor based on this consultation, you're able to either once send a practitioner to your home or advise you to come in to one of our clinics and be able to receive the care that you need from there. At the forefront of this is patient experience. So from the moment we get in touch with you to even after we've been able to see you, we ensure that one thing that's very, very key is follow-up for our patients. So what we find is patients appreciate being treated as you are the only one we care about. So you are my number one. <laughs> so, And that's an experience people don't get yeah. in other healthcare facilities. I mean, you go to a hospital, you're lined up, come in, the doctor doesn't even look at you, busy typing and looking at the papers. In comparison, and we've really seen this by the number of return patients we have. They love the experience. They love that two weeks after being seen, someone just calls and checks up on them. How's, how are you feeling? Are your meds, uh, um, are, they, are they working? And whenever we mess up, for lack of a better word, <laughs> we are at the forefront uh, calling them and making sure, hey, we're sorry this happened. We are doing X, Y, Z to address that. And from a patient's perspective, they feel that experience is way, way better yeah. than being added into waiting rooms just to see a doctor who may or may not be there. <laughs> you bring interesting points where you do you actually do have customers who keep coming back to the platform and based on the journey that, you know that they have been able to experience through the solution that you're providing, right? So I'm just curious to get a sense of based on their feedback, right? So one of the people who keep coming back and also based on the feedback or I'm not sure whether you do service or how you're able to access this kind of information. So the new customers that are also able to come onto the platform, like what do you believe is like the key driver for them to actually want to use your solution, right? And then also, how do you even get these customers, right? Yeah. So where do you get them? How do you acquire them? And without giving too much information, <laughs> is that, you know, like how much does it cost, right? And and is it worth it even for you as a business? So I think on average, it costs about 20 USD to acquire a customer. And initially, I think even up to now, compared to other startups and other companies, we've barely spent anything on marketing. Even early on, our number one driver for customer acquisition has always been word of mouth, referrals as well. This has enabled us to build trust with our patients just because someone comes in and is able to experience what you have to offer and they love it so much that they're able to recommend us to their families, to their friends. So we've seen an increasing number, I think as of last year, November, about 
70 to 80 percent of our patients were returning patients, yeah. which is really really huge, and that just goes to show how much difference and ex- good experience makes. Because anyone can do, anyone can change a bandage, anyone can treat you. You have really really good doctors, really really good doctors in hospitals, in clinics. The service is the same. How you deliver it, the experience when you're delivering it, that's what's different. So that's what has made us have patients come back, um, loving the experience and recommending it to other people. Yeah, I think my other question is just to try and understand what your founder journey has been like, right? So, you know, you founded this company with Jason, you know, at the peak of COVID. Of course, you did have some assumptions, you know, in your mind. And then, you know, as we say, you go to the ground and things are totally different, right? So just came to get a sense of what assumptions did you have, you know, when you were starting this out? What was exciting you the most, right? Has it changed before? You know, has has that resulted in you pivoting the business, you know, based on some of the learnings that you're currently, you know, getting from from the market? Yeah, I mean, in Kenya, we have the saying, let me tell you mine now. <laughs> <laughs> when, so let me take it back to 2020, just before we launched. We, myself and Jason, um, we were both doing our own gigs. We hadn't jumped ship. It was only just before December of 2019 when we got our first funding, our seed funding, that we all decided to jump ship and focus on tube health. So you can imagine a month, two months in, we're ready to hit the ground running. We're ready to push out our V1. And immediately you do that, there's this thing called COVID that has been introduced and you're like, okay, we can weather this. And then before you know it, the government is like, there's this lockdown, so no one's going to work. Everyone needs to stay home. You need to wash your hands to to happy birthday so that you can remember to wash it for 30 seconds. Yeah. So it was a very tricky time. And it, you can imagine as a, as a founder, you've left this really secure job that you had. And now you are thrusted into an environment or a situation where you're a very, very new company. No one knows you. And the notion is I can't bring in a clinician or a doctor or any white lab coat. (laughs) People will think you're bringing COVID into into our home. But what we eventually learned is to, which is very, very important as a founder, to see how to make the best out of certain situations so in our case we looked at covid and said you know what we're going to partner with the lab and try and see if we can offer these services to people at home because this is what we had already been good at this is what we had already launched with offering health services at home and what that allowed us to do is be able to offer covid19 home testing for people at home and for people at work. So one government requirement back then was if you're opening back up, especially for those in the service industry, everyone had to get tested. So we partnered with them because back then it was pandemonium. You'd go and queue at a government facility just to get the free free testing. But yeah. in actual sense, it wasn't free. You'd say that the entire day and still not get tested. Yeah. So we were able to learn as well through this, improve our logistics and 
that was the conception of Team Health. That's how we got a name out there. That's how we established trust by being associated by these bra- big brand names. So fast forward to 2023, um, we are a completely different <laughs> business from what you are back then. And COVID is no longer the primary service type in our company. Yeah. Uh, we've moved away from that. Well, we still offer testing. But now we've introduced more and more services. Yeah. We're able to do home vaccination. We're able to do consultation, sample collection, a wide range of services that I, we wouldn't have imagined when we launched. So it's been quite the journey, so to yeah. speak, yeah. from near death as well. You've had a few months where we're like, are we going to make it next <laughs> month? But we are grateful for what we've been able to achieve so far. Interesting points, right? So, like, there has been some changes across time. I, I'm, I'm happy COVID worked, you know, in your favor to some extent, right? So, I think I'm just curious to get a sense of what signals do you take from the market that you're able to tell, okay, cool, we can now pivot in this way, right? Or let's iterate this kind of process, you know, internally, right? So, yeah. you know, like those bulb moments, those aha moments that make you realize, in case they've been a lot, which I assume they are a lot, maybe you can just point this to one, right? Yeah. Just, you know, how as a founder, you know, how that has helped you as well, just maintaining that kind of flexibility where you're not like stuck and hell-bent on one way of doing things. So like, what do you look for in the market that allows you to be even a bit more confident in the kind of decisions that you currently make to kind of like change the business in a way that could affect it positively or even negatively in case it doesn't work out. We've had a lot of our assumptions proven wrong. Most of the things that you're told to research on before you launch your startup, you go and ask people, um, do you buy this kind of orange if I introduce it to the market? And they're like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but immediately you introduce it to the market and no one's interested. Yeah. So one of the key things that we usually look out for when introducing a service or thinking of introducing a service is demand. So we've had people request for certain service types when we are operational, especially in the early years, that we weren't offering. So that proves to be one key indicator of how to introduce different services. The other is looking at the gaps in the market. We strive very, very hard to ensure that the experience patients get from our healthcare providers is top-notch. So we look at where else are we able to expand our offerings and be able to expand it and do it well. So we've been able to introduce a few services that we didn't launch with. I've mentioned vaccination. When we launched, we never thought we could do vaccination. That wasn't even on the list of things that we can probably expand to. But we've been we've done that just because we've had moms asking that for their kids. And we're like, oh yeah, we can explore this. But the process of introducing a service, that can be daunting because you might think that this will work and it ends up not working. So as a founder, it's very, very important for you not to be rigid. If you see something is not working, even if it's your... It's your baby. That's that's the thing that you had dreamt about and that's what you introduced. Yeah. Look at the numbers. If if you're not getting anything from that, you'd rather switch and work on the 
products that actually make sense as opposed to the ones that you just want to keep around because you're cherished and this is your this is your baby you don't to <laughs> don't <laughs> take it you don't want to take it out back <laughs> i think maybe the other thing that i just want to bring out right so as vcs we are chasing unicorns which are mythical creatures right as startup founders you're chasing product market fit pmf which sometimes seems like mythical creatures as well right yeah. so you know based on your experience on what you're currently you know your experience and your expectations right so i'm not sure you know in your point of view from your perspective what does product market fit look like for a business like yours mm-hmm. and especially for a business like yours and it's in the healthcare sector as well right so so yeah if you can just shed some light into into your chase for product market fit certainly i mean for our for for healthcare it's a, it's a completely different beast it's a completely different industry especially if you're coming in from other more straightforward industry so like for example fintech you know the number of uh, users you have is very important the, the number of active users for health tech that's different people have different health care consuming behaviors compared to other industries for product fit we usually look at very very importantly patient feedback on how they are on how they perceive different service types that we've introduced we're keen on looking at how many patients we're actually serving um, from those patients what's the feedback that we're getting just so we can understand what is that thing that uh, will drive patients to come and actually receive healthcare so we've been able to introduce a few services that didn't make sense and we've had to just pull back and discontinue them but those that kept being requested for and being uh have patients come in for those services those are the ones that we usually keep so maybe just on the same topic of product market fit right you know trying to be a bit more objective about it as well i'm just trying to think are there metrics that you're kind of like really really obsessed about right why is like every monday meeting we're looking at these numbers how well are we doing if they're dipping if they're not doing so well you know we are all in panic mode guys how do we solve for this right so internally are there metrics that you're really really crazy about which are like very indicative of how the business is currently doing which essentially kind of like ties itself to product market fit and how you see the business evolving Uh, so we look at patient numbers and revenue those two metrics are very very important as well as our npc score so we get this by curating the feedback we're getting from patients we usually get an npc score of about 90% which is very very high in the healthcare space i think as of last year the average was about 10% so th- these are the metrics we look at uh, it's very important for us to have patients who are happy and even for those who we don't end up getting or giving what they want we're able to call them back and that when we've seen patients <laughs> we've seen patients we've messed up a, a <laughs> few times still coming back to us just because of the experience they have and even they get to request um, and recommend their families and friends so which is really really awesome so npc 
um, revenue and number of patients. I think maybe the other one is going to take us away from what we've currently been talking about, right? So you have been able to, you know, raise a significant amount yeah. of money. So you do have some insights on what that fundraising journey currently looks like for a founder in the health tech space. So, you know, based on your experience, what have been the key learning moments that you've had, you know, from a fundraising point of view? Yeah, I mean, the landscape has dramatically changed post-COVID. But right now, what you're seeing is, or um, if I was to give advice to founders who are looking to raise at this point, the language that's out there currently is trying to make businesses self-sufficient. So when are you going to break even? When is, what, what are your plans for the business to be profitable? So in all the conversations we're having with investors at the moment, it's a dramatic shift from what we had a few years back where some of the key themes were how far you're going to scale, are you just in this region? And right now investors are more would want to invest in a, in a company that actually has a trajectory to being profitable. So I'd say right now that's what we are getting in terms of the feedback from investors and that's what they're trying to focus on. Of course, as time goes by, this will also change. But at the moment, that's what um, we're getting. Out of curiosity, which which environment did you prefer? The old <laughs> environment versus a new environment? I mean, the old environment was was easy. Okay. <laughs> Looking back and comparing it to now, yeah. uh, I feel like the old environment was easy. But at the same time, I, I think it wasn't as organized. Yeah. Some money was just being given Um, and it it wasn't being given I think I think it's a phase Mm. of sorts where initially by initially I mean around 2015 back then when startups was just a new thing in Kenya we had founders and startups going after investors chasing after investors and then after that it was the reverse <laughs> investors chasing after after startups and now i feel like we're going back to <laughs> startups chasing after investors so yeah. i think it's either a cycle that's going back and forth yeah so um hopefully we can go back to investors chasing fast <laughs> chasing startups that would be that would be fun yeah, we'll see we'll see i feel like sometimes some of these things are lesson based right so exactly. you know uh, i mean we have a period where it's like take our money take our money take our money and then we're like five years down then we're like okay wait you know maybe we need to like change our approach right but then you know with these things time time will tell but for your sake i hope they do reverse if that was a better working environment (laughs) (laughs) then uh, maybe the other one just still around fundraising in a way right you know fundraising is like a whole different journey on its own it takes you out of the business might take you six months eight months to actually close around so there's normally like a lot of emphasis around the band rate and how you're actually able to sustain the business you know as you actually also fundraise you know like for 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 planning purposes personally or you know within Tibu Health how have you been going about it as well and then also you know from an allocation point of view how do you determine we prioritize product we prioritize marketing we prioritize growth um, in case things happen a certain way maybe we shift it a bit right so how do you go about that kind of level of thinking while you're still fundraising or even when you're not fundraising just to ensure that you also capital you know preserving your preserving your capital yeah I mean especially in this uh, environment trying as much as possible to reduce your band rate 
is important. The way we do it is, or I see it being implemented, is Mario PNL. Yeah. Um, as much as possible, look at that thing over and over again. See where your money is going at. Be able to justify spending, even on the granular level. Um, look at admin expenses. What are people spending their money on? Because early on, especially after you've just closed. A funding round usually find there's over exp- over overspending um, just because we have we have the money, and you find that habit is hard to pull back even after uh, your a few months down your runway. Making sure that whatever you're spending your money on is essential to the company. Don't don't especially. Even when you actually have enough runway, that's when you should be able to cut back on spending and be able to spend on only that which you need. In terms of where to spend your money, yeah. that's mostly informed by what we get back. So if you're looking at marketing, do we spend a hundred Gs on an influencer or <laughs> or a billboard, which will have a better reach, which what will give us more returns? So I I know as founders we look at the numbers we try as much as possible see depending on what our metrics are or what we're tracking what gives us best returns. So if you're looking at marketing or BD or you're looking at your sales guys, that's what will give you back better returns. Then that's where you usually spend your money on. Then again, still. On the topic of money, right? Yeah. As 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 Tibu's CTO, what does monetization look like for you at uh, at Tibu Health? This I usually say this is a very uh, difficult question, especially in the health check. <laughs> monetization is especially from the users totally different from other other spaces. So in fintech, you want your users to spend as much as possible. Yeah. In healthcare, the only way your users will spend is <laughs> they're, they're actually <laughs> sick. So it's quite different in the sense that from a tech perspective, we usually look at how, I think I alluded to this, how many of our actual users are returning users. Yeah. That gives an idea of how much these people would uh, be using our products over and over again. And that's, I guess, the closest way we can be able to mirror this to other industries. But in terms of monetization, it's it's a bit tricky in the health, healthcare, health tech industry. Yeah. It's a tough place to be at, right? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> money has to be made, but then that means that people need to be unwell to use your platform. But then, you know, being able to just find a perfect balance for you is great. Yeah. Then maybe, you know, just to, and I know we've talked about this very briefly before, right? But if you can just maybe take a few minutes to just focus on, on one, like on a very basic level, right? You know, like what are your customers looking for? from a health provider, right? From what you're currently seeing. Yeah. Then also, you know, just to build on that, right? So the customers that you're chasing right now are people who used to the traditional way of, you know, consuming healthcare solutions. They used to, I have to go to hospital. Yeah. I have to see the doctor personally um, for me to actually feel like, I've, you know, I've, I've actually gotten out the value of my money and I've actually, you know, gotten the best advice from this doctor, right? So there's also like that level of barrier, right? So I'm not, you know, I'm keen to get a sense of 
what has been your secret sauce to actually break in such barriers yeah. you know from the customers that you're currently trying to trying to chase and lock down i remember when i was a kid and we were going to hospital and you see walk up with the flu and your mom was like okay let's go to the hospital and you go into the consultation room and your mom is like okay now tell the doctor <laughs> tell the doctor was wrong and you're like no mom you tell you yeah and now as a grown man and you're actually going to a consultation room you want to tell the doctor everything you, yeah. you, you're not shy about tell them it's my head it's on the right side yeah um so that you can get as much information from the doctors to what's ailing you yeah and from user's perspective or from a consumer perspective in the health health tech um or in the healthcare industry that's almost what they want they want um if i'm going to come to you with a medical condition or with an illness i'd want for you to treat me with the most attention possible you know want just want you to look at me and then prescribe some antibiotics and be be done with it i want you i want to feel like i'm actually being hard i want to feel like i'm actually i'm receiving the care i'm paying for yeah and that has also translated in what's currently the traditional healthcare consumption in in the market people are not agreeable to just purely digital healthcare and we've seen this in other startups as well if you're fully if your solution is fully focused on just digital at some point it breaks yeah as a patient i want to see a doctor i want to explain i want them to feel where i'm feeling i can point to the part of my head that uh, <laughs> i have a headache yeah. and see even their reaction and be able to to, to us that's that's healthcare that's that's how i go to the hospital yeah and early on we didn't get this and we got this a bit later so what we decided is to bridge that gap we call it i don't know if someone else has coined this term but it's it's digital it's phys- physical and digital it's pro- it's i've not had it so please you can patent it i don't, I don't want to be cancelled it's somewhere in the internet okay <laughs> so what we've been able to do with that is um if you need to see a doctor you can come to our clinics yeah. so november of last year is when we opened our first wellness hub or clinic and with a focus on patient experience uh, we didn't want it to be just be the kawaii the hospital where you walk in and you can smell the spirit you can yeah. see the walking rooms the kids crying <laughs> so from the moment you walk into the uh, clinic you have really really nice sofas you can sit on for the cup, a cup of coffee or tea the atmosphere is very open yeah. we've had a few people especially the f- first couple of months confuse it for a restaurant or a cafe oh wow <laughs> yeah so <laughs> a bit of a sh- learning shift kidogo but that's that's what we want we want to bridge that it doesn't have to be a painful process for you to see your doctor it doesn't have yeah. to be an awful experience that you dread yeah. going to see your doctor and bridging that gap has also enabled us to sort of have a landmark because previously people heard of TB Health and they were thinking I think I've seen you guys online somewhere but yeah. now it's all you guys who are at this location. Yeah. So it's some sort of landmark you're able to easily build trust because yeah. as a patient it's not just something that's virtual like can actually come and see that you guys are here so if anything happens I know exactly where to go. True. And that has helped a lot to only build trust but be able to offer an alternative to 
uh, the digital sphere. Interesting. So I'm just curious to get a sense of so moving forward do you feel like you'd need to get like more of this, you know, physical hubs or like mm-hmm. just one or two might be enough, right? And then also like what it means we'll have this here, right? So from how you described it like it sounds a bit fancy, right? So mm-hmm. do I need to be able to pay a premium for me to have access to this kind of facility? Just trying to get like you thinking of how you went about that, you know, like setting up that that hub and that location and how you see it evolving as you continue to Yeah, I mean from inception all our services we've tried to have them at market rate if not lower. Yeah. So no you, you won't have a TB health clinic in in every corner. <laughs> yeah. And that's not the point. It's more strategic. It's also still being used as a point of deployment from for our home services. Yeah. And we the way we see it is we can have one in every strategic location so you won't see like 100 or 10 or 20 to yeah. health facilities in one location so we never be probably have like uh, three at most yeah. and then supplement them with a few spokes so like a hub and spoke model yeah but we we recognize the fact that if we're able to have one in a strategic location where there are residential areas then you're better placed to serve those people in that area yeah. and you're able to reduce the time to deploy to a patient's location yeah then maybe as we as we close right you know we we know what tibo health is doing but then you know looking into the future right how do you see you know tibo health evolving right so for example at the moment how many markets are you currently operating from right then does that change as you continue to to grow the business which markets are you currently like really really eyeing and and why in case there's that you know like there's that plan at the you know at the back of your heads or even at the front of your heads you know, like it's a very immediate you know like plan of action At the moment we are fully focused on Kenya. Okay. Um we'd like as much as possible to prove the model in different areas. Nairobi is like the it's very ideal county for startups. There's more acceptance to new things in Nairobi, but we'd want to expand into other counties and prove the model there before even trying to scale to other other countries. So Right now we just focused on improving and perfecting as much as possible what we want to offer the patient in Nairobi and other counties and then maybe later on then we'll think about expanding to other countries. Yeah. So as I mentioned before we're trying to, as much as possible as well to try and see if we can make the business profitable soon. So yeah, we won't be moving out of Kenya anytime soon. <laughs> cool and from a product evolution point of view, right? Yeah. Do you see changing in the near future? Is there something that, you know, is there something that you're currently working on that you believe this is the game changer guys? Like this is this is the true disruption in healthcare. I I think we are sort of almost there. Okay. <laughs> in terms of experience the patients are getting. We, we would want to change the status quo. Yeah. We were discussing last week with I think Jason how in the health tech or in the healthcare industry the buy is set so low. Yeah. Um <laughs> just offering the bare minimum is like a wow to patients <laughs> which shouldn't be the case. So we are looking to improve on that. Certainly if we're able to 
show patients that that doesn't have to be the case that in our books is a win. I really really enjoyed our conversation but we have run out of time. So thank you so much for taking the time out to join the Factory Founder podcast. It has been a true pleasure hosting you and speaking to you this wonderful afternoon. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this. Yeah, maybe last question. If anyone wanted to learn about Tibu Health, if anyone wanted to reach out to you, maybe for personal advice as a founder, how do they, you know, rather where can they find you? Certainly, our website is tibu.africa. We are also open, uh, don't say 24-7, but pretty early from 8 to 9, we're able to service you. And we are on social media as Tibu Health, Instagram, Twitter, pretty pretty active. On Wednesdays we usually do some trivia questions. Oh, interesting. On our Instagram page, that's really very interesting. And for investors as well, we're looking to do our series A later this year. See if we can raise a small amount before that. We're trying to we're considering that just for a few investments that we're trying to push for that. So, yeah. Justin, why are you get keeping your personal handles? <laughs> Don't you are you not on Twitter? Are you not on LinkedIn? I'm also, I'm also on LinkedIn okay. as Peter Gikaragisharu or Gikaragisharu. Okay. You're able to find me there. Let's link up and be able to discuss a few things. Thank you so much. There you have it folks. This is the factory building in Africa. Peter Gikara has been the founder on the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me.